don't be tied into the way you see your neighbor homeschooling. You've got to figure out what works for you. Hi, you're listening to the Zan Tyler Podcast. When my family started our homeschooling journey, there were so many decisions to make. But one of our best decisions was choosing to use BJU Press Homeschool. I've never seen my kids so excited to get textbooks before. I'm amazed by how interesting and interactive the lessons are. My kids actually look forward to them. We use the online video lessons for all our courses, but I know some families choose to teach from the textbooks. What I love is that I can trust BJU Press to uphold our values. The Bible and biblical principles are woven throughout each subject. I'll admit, I was a bit nervous when I started homeschooling, but I've found a wonderful online community of other BJU Press homeschool families and consultants. The Homeschool Hub also makes my job easier. I can set up our schedules and rearrange them with just a few clicks. On the dashboard, I can see each of my kids' progress, and the assignments page shows me quickly what's ready for me to check or grade. I'm glad my son's biology assignments are automatically graded. BJU Press Homeschool has given us the tools and confidence to homeschool our children. For more information, do what I did and visit the BJU Press Homeschool website or talk with your local HomeWorks consultant. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with my husband, Joe, my most favorite person in the world. If you missed part one of our discussion on marriage, I would really urge you to go back and listen to it. The link is below. And today we're going to take a deeper dive into marriage, the foundation of a strong marriage, and just practical ways that you can keep your marriage strong. Because believe me, it is something that is worth the investment. It's interesting to think that um, marriage is really the foundational relationship uh, with, with Adam and Eve uh, marriage was instituted, obviously, before there were kids and before there was homeschooling. Um, it, the marriage relationship is preeminent. Um, you know, Mother Teresa was asked right after she won the Nobel Prize, well, that's, you know, great accomplishment, but what can we do? And she said, go home and love your families. And boy, was there ever boy, is that ever powerful, and boy, is that ever needed in our culture at the time. I know when Zan and I were in high school and then in college, uh, as believers, we continued to see the news reports about how the divorce rate continued to climb, and uh, by the time we graduated, I think it was above 50%. It was, but I gotta, I gotta say this, so excuse me for interrupting you, but um, when Joe and I were in elementary school, so we want to show you just from this how much the culture has changed, because when you live in a certain culture, you tend to think it's always been this way. When Joe and I were in elementary school, he was in Greenville. I was in Columbia, so we're 100 miles away, South Carolina. And we each knew one person who came from a, a divorced family. So when that happened, my mother was a teacher in our school, and they met with all of the teachers and said, you need to explain to your students what divorce is, what that means, and how we can help this child um, cope. This particular boy had a single mom who had to work 
at night. She had a, a, a night job and um, shift work probably in the hotel. I can't remember exactly. And so she said, so, so the little boy was all sleepy a lot when he got to school because sometimes he had to go with her. And so, you know, so there was this whole meeting on how can we as a school understand what this little boy is going through. And I think you had the same thing. Yeah, we had a um, special session in our in our class in the, uh, I think it was sixth grade, where the teacher explained what divorce was. And so that meant that in our entire school of probably three or 400 kids, um, there was one kid whose mom got a divorce during that school year. And it became important to explain that to everybody. So that shows you how, fa- how much things have changed and how fast they have changed. And um, uh, I know that... Um, In a matter of 40 years, it's really amazing. Um, and and I just want, I want to give a little bit of a, a caveat here because several of my closest friends are single moms again. And, you know, it's happened for a number of reasons. In one situation, the husband had an addiction that was much more important to him than the family and, and marriage, and the marriage ended. It had to end, um, and there was some physical abuse. Another f- close friend of ours, the husband was unfaithful and left, and so they're just so we know that there's not every marriage is not going to end well, and so we want to know that we we stand with you in that hurt. And, um, and, but for those of you, and we believe that God says that he is the husband to the husbandless and a father to the fatherless, mm. and that he comes in and will meet those needs, uh, supernaturally. Absolutely. And, uh, but for those of you who are married, this is, uh, um, this is really a time for us to focus on the marriage and keeping it strong so that your marriage not only survives but thrives mm, absolutely so you were talking about verses and i, I totally that's okay messed that up um it's so interesting to me how in ephesians uh paul says wives submit to your own husbands as to the lord for the husband is the head of the wife and then he goes on to say that husbands love your wives as christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so there's a, a psychologist, a family counselor named Egrich, and he wrote a book called Love and Respect. So looking at the foundations of those two verses, the uh, wife is commanded to respect her husband, and the husband is respected to love his wife. I think in that we can see that in, the, in a couple's relationship, that's probably where the temptations will be. The temptation will be for the husband not to love him, not to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And he goes on and qualifies it to say he gave himself up for her, which means the husband really does have to lay his, uh, I guess you could say, whatever little things that charm him most, as the hymnist says, he's got to lay those down. Uh, in order to give himself up for his wife. And um, there's so many adjustments that have to be made over time. Uh, you know, finances uh, are an issue about 
what what opportunities a couple has um, and what therefore what temptations they may have. And I think we have to really continue to as husbands to love our wives as Christ loved the church and to give ourselves up for her. And we've got to study our wives to understand them, uh, to know what things to do. I know with me, I love to be a joker and a teaser. And sometimes my joking and teasing becomes very annoying to my wife, which I understand. <laughs> so, uh, I, it's, it's the greatest strength and the greatest weakness. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes the same comments will not be received the same way. If you've ever seen that movie Groundhog Day, you fully understand this. My favorite part of that is Bill Murray toward the end. Uh, it kind of keeps, uh, buzzing through every day to just show you his encounter with with uh his girlfriend uh who he's seeking and uh he does the exact same thing two days in a row and one day he gets slapped and one day he gets kissed so just know that uh what is going on in a in a wife and homeschool mom's day uh can be paramount and will affect the way she sees the universe so we just have to be aware of that. So uh, fully understand that if your wife uh, reacts to you differently over the same set of circumstances, it's uh, fully normal. And uh, we have to be those that love our wives as Christ loved the church. And we have to give ourselves up for her. Um, another uh, thing to think about, I know you guys have, have been, and women have probably heard all about this gary chapman wrote a book called the five love languages and this book good night it's gone worldwide and been translated into so many different languages i hear secular podcasters now and then on the subject of marriage talk about this book so uh it's it's become somewhat universal uh so we really need to understand what what things our wives love what gives them joy what things they appreciate. Um, I know one time at work, there was a person that I wanted to recognize in a meeting uh, because she had just done incredible work. But one of her friends came to me prior to the meeting and said, don't do that. I said, why? said, that will make her miserable. It'll embarrass her. That'll be the worst thing you could do for her. If you really want to do something for her, give her a bonus. Um, you know, you can mention her, but don't dare get her to come up front and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's just obviously that this woman was just different than the way I would have wanted to be treated. And it's funny because our love languages, I think, are totally opposite. Mine is words of affirmation and physical affection. And Joe's are gifts of time and acts of service. Mm. And so, you know, sometimes... He's doing the dishes, which I really appreciate. My mother-in-law said a, a, a man was never shot while doing the dishes. Um, but but sometimes I just want him to tell me. I want him to tell me how much he loves me, and so and hug me. You know, so everybody's got their triggers and everybody has their things that mean something to them. Mm -hmm. And I think the the secret is seeing somebody else through not your eyes, but through their eyes. Yeah, it's really, uh, in, in 1 Peter 3, it talks about um, studying your wife. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 7 says, 
live with your wives in an understanding way. Well, that understanding only comes from, uh, I think, from some thoughtful uh, perception about uh, your relationship and how your wife is wired. Um, so we need to, to really study our homeschool wife and moms to understand her unique pressures. Um, number one, I think, for most homeschool moms is this fears Anne's been talking about where she's fearful that she's messing the kids up. I know when uh, Zan was lobbying at the legislature and was just taking the kids down there a good bit, uh, I remember her being depressed about the books that may not have been finished or the, all the workbooks that were unfilled out and uh, due to the time spent down there. And I remember telling her, good night. They're getting a better education down there than any of these kids sitting in a classroom that are filling out all their workbooks and for one thing i don't know about you guys but i don't know that i ever finished a history book in fact my freshman year in college a professor asked for a show of hands who in here is actually finished or who in here has ever studied world war ii i think only one hand went up because nobody ever got that far so we actually uh it's kind of crazy but we did the book backwards so that we could start with modern uh, history and go backwards to cover all that stuff that never was gotten to. So just know that uh, there are things that come up that are way more educational than than what a kid's going to get just in a book. So one thing, too, is Joe never questioned our homeschool. He supported our homeschool. And you have to figure out together the the role of the husband. I love what Todd Wilson says. Wives, if your husband want to teach something or do something, leave them alone and let them do it. Don't try to manage it. Don't try to make it look like the way you would do it. Let them do it. And I think that's really great advice. And um, But, you know, we have husbands that did a lot of teaching. Joe was in a position with his work um, that he couldn't do that. But when he was home, I always called him the chiropractor in charge of attitude adjustment because he had a way of keeping things light and funny, even in the midst of catastrophes to where we could talk about things. And he, you know, he always had the, he was always in, real involved in the extracurricular activity. He coached almost all of the kids' sports teams. When Lizzie came through and wanted to do um, theater and choir when he was home, he was always there with her, you know, so everybody, and, and then really he was the principal. I mean, because I had to have somebody to process stuff with because I am an auditory processor. And so he listened to more conversations um, than anybody ever should about what happened during the day and how things were going and what I should do. And then the other thing was he was financially providing for us so that I could be home and homeschool. Now, I know there, you know, there are a lot of husbands and wives who split that responsibility, especially with being able to work from home. Um, and I, I think as a, a married couple, every marriage looks different. Every homeschool looks different. But don't be tied into the way you see your neighbor homeschooling. Mm. Or, you know, you, you've got to figure out what works for you. Mm. It's interesting. I remember as an early believer just having this total contentment for the first time 
And when I first became a Christian, uh, I remember just being overcome with this sense of everything is going to be all right, that God is in control, that that I am here and I was born to these parents and I'm living in this socioeconomic situation. I'm right where God wants me to be because this is where I am. And I remember having this over and it lets me know, looking back on that, I had so much insecurity and uneasiness in the back of my mind about everything because I was comparing myself to those around me and I wasn't measuring up uh, in, in many respects when I looked at them. Um, and I remember uh, all of a sudden, all of those fears and all those anxieties were totally diminished by really the power of the Holy Spirit in my, in my heart and just an instant knowledge that God was in control and God placed me here for a purpose. And um, my life should be one that I worship and adore him and I, I follow hard after him and he will make my path straight. Um, another thing I think uh, I want to tell the men is that if he knows something's wrong in the marriage, really, he should take the responsibility to fix it. You know, it's funny, uh, most men in their jobs, whether they're working from home or in an office, are solving problems all day long. Now, I know that it could be that there are many moms out there that are listening to this that are the main breadwinner and have the job, and you go to the job or you're at home, uh, so you, you can relate to this as well. Uh, our temptation is just to try to be a quick fixer. Um it's, it's really, though, in contrast to, to this servant leadership model that Christ taught. There are so many passages in Jesus' life where he said the same thing. The pastor told me one time, you know, if God speaks to you once, listen, but if he speaks to you multiple times, then really pay attention. Well, here's something to really pay attention to. In Matthew, he said, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was asked three or four times in the scriptures, who will be greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The most embarrassing one was the mother of two of the disciples asked him one day, hey, which one of my sons will be at your right and which one will be at the left? Um, boy, I bet that embarrasses them to this day, even in heaven. Uh, and he said this, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So um, there's, there's, there's what all of us have to aspire to be, is those that are humbled before him and those that are servants. And that takes different forms at different times. You know, when we marry, one, one fearful thought that any couple should have is, wow, this thing looking through the vows, I'm really committing to this person for better or worse. We could be that couple that has a wreck on the way to our honeymoon, and one of us is has a permanent lifelong injury, you know? We could lose everything, and in our culture in this day and time, it's easy to imagine somebody losing everything because we see that, we witness that. Maybe you were a business owner that got hit with the pandemic, 
I see at the mall near our house, there's so many of those things, uh, little shops and stuff that are just closed uh, that may never reopen. So, um, you know, we've been through job loss together. Yeah, we have multiple, uh, multiple job losses. And, um, but in the foundation of that, we've committed to the marriage and we've committed that whatever comes our way, um, we will have challenges to work through, but we'll work through them. We won't give up on them. And I'd encourage uh, all of you couples to see, uh, to take on this vision for us to be the servant of all and to wake up every day and commit ourselves to see how we can serve and how we can be an example that Christ uh, gave for us. Because really, you know, at the end of Paul's thing in, in Ephesians, he said, but I'm, I'm speaking uh, relative to Christ and the church. So even Paul, who um, was, gave us such great teachings about marriage, talks about it that it's, it's a mystery in a way. And it's amazing that God has, has given the family right in front of us to speak to us about what it means to love a child, what it means to love a wife or husband what it means to commit yourself to that, what it means to die to yourself, um, and the joy that comes from that. Uh, I don't know there's any greater joy than seeing your love returned from somebody else. I know early on, Lizanne and I, when we were, I guess you would call it courting. Uh, yeah, we were navigator, never daters. <laughs> yeah, so we were just best friends. People kept trying to put us together, and we would always fight it off like, oh, no, you know, we're just good friends. So, um, man, I realized my junior year that I needed to, uh, to tell Zan that I loved her to see if there were any feelings. Cause I knew that if there weren't, um, I needed this fire in my heart to extinguish so I could move on. Uh, cause I really didn't know. I wasn't sure. I thought she did, but I wasn't sure. So, um, everybody has that DTR moment where you, Define the relationship. That's what we used to call it in college among couples, the DTR moment. So um, I didn't know how to go from being friends to married. So I decided to just propose, which I did. And uh, she got very mad at me because I had ruined the vision that she had for her life, which didn't include me. Uh, but fortunately, uh, she came around and God actually worked in her heart. So there was something already there at the uh, emotional, physical level, I guess. But God worked in her heart and gave her a vision for marriage, mainly through Elizabeth Elliot's book, Let Me Be a Woman, which was actually a letter she wrote to her daughter, Valerie, um, which is a profound book. And it God really used that to give Zan a vision for marriage and motherhood and and all that came after. So we um, need to wrap up in a few minutes. But, Joe, you have a list of things that are practical things that homeschool dads can do for their homeschool wives. Yes, I call this list the most romantic words of a homeschool dad. Um, the first one is, how can I help? In other words, trying to figure out a way that after understanding the unique pressures and, and burdens that your wife is under, um, 
what are ways that you can alleviate that stress? And that will be different as your kids get older. I know when the boys um, got to be way bigger than Zan, spanking didn't hurt anymore. In fact, they laughed at her if she ever tried to do any kind of physical punishment. And if she was the type that made them sit in the corner, she couldn't have made them sit in the corner. They could have put her in the corner. They did set me <clears> on the mantle one day. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to um, reestablish the authority of uh, of the mother in the home over the kids. And um, it might be uh, <laughs> the words, wait till your father gets home kind of thing. Um, and I remember in those teenage years when I knew something was going on at home that she was concerned about with the boys, with the boys I would um, pray on the way home and realize that I had to gird myself for war when I went in the house because I was going to have to mediate some some big issue that, that had come up that day. Yep, but we had the misfortune, uh, just like we did, of being born with that good old original sin problem. Um, that had to be uh, dealt with by God's grace, but it's never an absolute completed work, is it? So we all uh, we all have work to do. The other thing um, we can do is uh, figure out maybe there are tons of time pressure on your wives, so maybe there's some chore you can take on. I know I used to do all the grocery shopping. Zan would do the list, and I'd do the shopping because I really like to eat more than I did. <laughs> and I knew that that was a prerequisite for eating was shopping. I also used to do a lot of dishes. Um, that's one thing that I could volunteer to do that I was never turned down on. So um, that was also a great service. And you vacuumed. You always vacuumed. vacuumed. That's right. And, you know, as the kids get older, um, I remember seeing an episode of a reality show and they were even having their four-year-old do stuff. And I thought, man, I didn't work my kids hard enough. There are a lot of things your kids can do at an earlier age than you learn to do them. Doing their own laundry, um, you know, cleaning their own bathrooms, taking turns doing that. There are things they should be doing in your home that you may have just not thought about teaching them how to do. So, yeah, John, and my middle son, John and Joe, were the designated ironers in our family. And so when John went to college, he actually made money iron guy, ironing guys' shirts and suits for the prom or whatever whatever it was in college. Yep. Um, another romantic thing you can say to your wife is, let's go out. I got a sitter. You know, some couples just don't go out by themselves without the kids because finding a babysitter can be such a pain. And uh, if you do have someone that you trust that can uh, sit for your kids, you guys should really give serious thought to arranging that yourselves because a lot of times in the home, I know that the mom is the one that always arranges a sitter. And I, I dare say, uh, if you can go so far as to try to at least spend a night away from your kids um, every now and then, and it's awesome. That hotel may only be five miles away, but it's like 500 light years away from being in your house. And I know some people say, well, we're just going to do a vacation right here in our house, or we're going to date right here in our house. Some people pull that off. I know one couple I met, um, she would light a candle 
uh, on the dining room table. And when she did that, the kids would know that it was a, a dinner just for the husband and the wife and they weren't to uh, get involved. And finally, um, teaching a subject is something that a lot of dads can do. Um, a lot of dads know certain software stuff that the moms may not know. Um, and now I guess it would be websites, no telling what. So I know that for me, I probably learned Word and Excel before Zan did. Now that's probably not the case. Everybody knows that now. But way before. But you taught them all the computer stuff. I can remember when, and this is when we had a Tandy 1000. But I remember when the news crews would come over, they were always so impressed with the boys having their computers up and they could tell them I couldn't tell them anything but they they could explain a lot of computer technology yep. that they didn't even know at the time but there's so many everyday life skills and work skills that a parent knows that they really should intentionally uh, train their kids on when my dad was 12 years old they would have uh, workers come through temporary workers when they would harvest a certain crop on the farm and my i've always wondered how much it it helped my dad that he was the one that actually kept up with all the hours and determined um how much each of those workers should make uh at 12 years old his interest in jimmy carter and his autobiography did exactly the same thing on his farm when he was 12 years old well thinking about that i i'm i can't imagine doing that um, as a 12 year old in my life or my kids either. But then I have to stop myself and realize, you know, our kids are way more capable at earlier ages than we give them credit for. And we just need to really intentionally train and monitor. But you know how it is. Training and monitoring is a pain. But once somebody becomes independent, it is such uh, a great relief to the whole family. So those are just a few a few things I would encourage you to do. You know, one thing um, that I want to end with is just Joe and I live in South Carolina and we'd love to go to the beach. I can, and we have a week every year there with our grandkids and our kids. And I remember going out in the ocean with Evan, my, who was now 13, but was then five or six. And all of a sudden that undertow had pulled us out and I couldn't touch bottom anymore. And I remember thinking, Lord, just get me back into shore what this precious grandchild I have. And we did get back in. But the tendency sometimes in marriage is just to drift because you have so many responsibilities with the kids. And, you know, if, if your husband is working and you're home homeschooling, then, you know, you're focused on the kids. He's focused on career. And sometimes never the twain shall meet. There's a verse, I think it's Hebrews 2, 1, that says, um, okay, so this is just a loose translation. Pay closer attention to your salvation or to Christ, lest you drift. Mm. And so I think drifting is probably one of the biggest problems in marriage is you drift and then you don't realize how far that undertow has pulled you. So you've got to pay closer attention to your marriage, lest you drift. I remember when the boys went to college and then Lizzie, our last one, left. I looked at Joe and I said, it's a good thing that we not only love each other, but we like each other. Mm. And so one day, all of your kids will be grown and gone and it will be you and your husband. 
And so we just pray for each of you that you have watered the grass um, where you are, the grass is greenest where you are, um, and that you have remained faithful to each other and committed to each other. Amen. Uh, so you can find us uh, on my website. Joe has a followers and fellowship website. Um, I have zantyler.com and you can find me there. Thanks so much for being with us. And we just pray that God will bless your marriage. <laughs>